You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. On this Kirkin Sunday, we continue in our fall sermon series, visiting with different stories throughout the scriptures, stories of ordinary people through whom God does extraordinary things. Some of the names of characters we have visited with have been less familiar to us perhaps beforehand, and some of them, like those today, I suspect, are more familiar with us. For today, we turn our attention to the story from the book of Acts, the story of Paul and Lydia. Let us continue listening now for a word from God as we hear these verses from Acts chapter 16, beginning with the ninth verse. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place to pray, of prayer. And we sat down and we spoke to the women who had gathered there. Now a certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay in my home. And she prevailed upon us. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Good and gracious God, send your spirit once more that it would draw near to us, that it would walk alongside us on this path of faith. Indeed, O oh God, we pray this morning that your spirit would be a bridge from these ancient stories to our present day lives. O oh God, through the work of your spirit, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered together here in your sight be pleasing and glorifying to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've always loved road trips. Some of it may trace back to my growing up my family took almost every vacation that I can remember as a child by car. At least twice, sometimes three times a year, we would get in the car and drive the eight and a half hours down I-75 from Dayton, Ohio to Atlanta, Georgia to visit my grandmother. I still have these vivid memories of being in that back seat, that third row bench. You remember the Chrysler Town and Countries from the 90s with the one slide and door? I'd be back there and I would make a little blanket fort and we would listen to cassettes that we had got from the library of Garrison Keillor's News from Lake Wobegon. 
Well, it's been a quiet week in Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, my hometown, out there on the edge of the prairie. Even as an adult, I love to drive. Just give me an excuse. I'll get in the car and just head just about anywhere. In fact, before accepting the call here, we were in the early stages in my last call of exploring the possibility of a sabbatical after nine years in that congregation. And one of my ideas that I was loosely batting around was trying to plan a sabbatical around the theme of Willie Nelson's On the Road Again. (laughs) I've always had this dream of doing a road trip clear across the country and clear back. And I thought, what a perfect sound trip. On the road again, just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love, making music with my friends. (laughs) I don't know if it would fly, but maybe one day I'll get a chance to try it out. When you think about it, everything this morning is sort of pointing us towards what happens when God gets on the road again. Right, Our scripture, our symbols in the sanctuary that Kara was pointing us towards. It's almost like someone has laid out a road map for us on the hood of the car. It said, pick your place. Where do you want to go? You want to go to Scotland? You want to go to Macedonia? You want to go to, I don't know, Samothrace? Had to remember that one. You want to go to Troas? You want to go to Neapolis? You want to go to Philippi? Right, This whole morning is sort of an illustration of the story of the gospel spreading. Right, The story of disciples from years and generations ago living out that command that Christ gives at the very beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 1 to take the gospel and to spread it to the ends of the earth. But anyone here who's ever been on a road trip knows that it's hard to take a journey anywhere without something unexpected happening, right? Without a traffic jam. Y'all ever been on I-75 between Ohio and Georgia? It's hard to take a journey anywhere without, I don't know, a flat tire, without an unexpected detour. And we see that in all the stories that we're lifting up today. Right, our Scottish ancestors, these tartans remind us of those beautiful familial connections, but they also remind us of a point in history when our forebears and the faith suffered mightily under the thumb of a conquering power. Paul and Silas, I almost wish that we had started our reading in verse 6 of Acts chapter 16. Because those first three verses leading into our passage today tell us about how Paul and Silas kept trying to go different places there in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, but we're told that the Spirit blocked them. Dead ends. And the story right after where we ended is Paul and Silas in prison, probably not the idea they had for their latest mile in the road trip. Even Lydia in this passage, we're told that she is a worshiper of God, but it is apparently not until Paul and Silas come and visit with her that her heart is opened. And so my question becomes, what is it about these forebears in the faith that allowed them to persist? 
What is it that kept them going even in the face of those flat tires and those detours and those traffic jams? Because each of us, I think, probably know people who spend their lives going from place to place or from thing to thing, but never quite seeming to reach their destination. Maybe that's a description even for some of us here today. I remember reading a few years ago about a guy who, y'all remember George Clooney in the movie uh, Up in the Air, isn't that what it's called? This was sort of a real life version of George Clooney's character in that movie. He had somehow figured out a way to game the miles and point systems of all these credit cards and airlines. And he literally spends his life going around the world. He doesn't have a home. He once lived in Seattle, but he hasn't had an apartment in years. He just travels all over the place, staying for a moment before moving on. In this article, I remember the author asked this young man if this is something he really wants to do, and he swears that it's something he loves, but then the young man proceeds to tell the author a story about a recent experience he had had at the airport in Delhi, India. He said somewhat longingly that he remembered watching this group of like 20 people with balloons and signs, joy on their faces, all there to welcome home just one of his fellow travelers. The way the author tells or recounts this story, you get the sense that this young man who is constantly on the move kind of seems to hope that one day he might be welcomed home like that too. I don't know if you remember earlier this year, I shared about a sermon that St. Augustine once preached on the shores of Hippo there in North Africa, modern day Algeria. He preached this sermon where he talked about this home country as the image he had, a home country off in the distance that we can all see, but we can't get to. Because between us and that home country is this mighty ocean, this mighty churning ocean. There's no map that can show us a way around back to get to this home country. There's no way we under our own power can possibly transport ourselves from where we are to where we hope to be. It is only God, Augustine said, who can help us bridge that great divide. And in Jesus Christ, that is exactly what God has done. God has sent someone to find us and to bring us home, right? For me, that's the answer of how Paul and Lydia and all of our forebears in the faith got us to where we are today. That's how they persisted is because they knew that they were already home in Jesus Christ. They knew that God had already sent someone to come and help bring them over to that home country that they yearned for. They persisted because they knew deep down that no matter what detour, whatever roadblock they faced, God was still in charge. They knew that it was God and God alone who was sovereign, who set the direction of their lives. They knew that it was God and God alone who could determine the results. That's part of the reason I love our stewardship theme this year. Did you all catch it? It's living out God's story, not the other way around. It's not God living out our stories. It's us living out God's story. 
right? I don't know if Brand or the other members of the stewardship team will really appreciate me saying this, but the reality is I can't stand here and in good conscience promise you exactly how those resources of time, town, and treasure will get used in the next 12 months beginning in 2024. I can tell you all the plans we've made, and boy, we have made a lot of plans, but I can't stand here and tell you I know what roadblocks we're going to face, what detours we're going to have to take, I can't tell you what traffic jams we might bump into, but what I can tell you, what I can tell you is that the invitation, the invitation that we are inviting each of you into is that when we put together our collective time, talent, and resources, what we are doing is living out God's story, not our story. And the reason we can do that is because we know that even though we cannot know where the journey will take us, we do know where the journey will lead us. We know just like Paul and Silas and Lydia and all the others who have followed us before in the faith, we know that God will deliver us too to that home country. It's funny, I had uh, a revelation this week as I was thinking about all of those uh, road trips that we took as a kid. My revelation was that all of my memories only go in one direction, right? I have no memory of getting in the car in Georgia and reversing course and going back to uh, Ohio. All of my memories of those road trips is just heading south on I-75. And I started to think, why is that? Right? We would often leave after a day of work for my dad or a day of school for my brother and I. So we would get on the road late, usually late afternoon. You'd be fighting rush hour in Cincinnati and maybe Lexington, Kentucky. So you wouldn't get to Roswell until like 12, 1 in the morning sometimes. But I started thinking to myself, who was there waiting for us every time we pulled into the driveway? on Trailmore Court, I think it was. There was my grandmother in her bathrobe usually, probably had just woken up from a dead sleep, standing there on the front stoop with a big smile on her face. I remember the feeling of walking into her house every time. You know how grandparents' houses sometimes just have that like grandparent smell? Don't get weird that like the best smell you can imagine, like your home. I can remember walking across her linoleum floors in the kitchen because there was a big basket of candy that she always kept on the top of the refrigerator. And it was the only time all year long that my parents would let my brother and I climb onto the chair and get a piece of candy at one in the morning off the top of the fridge. Right, I started to think to myself, maybe the reason all of my memories of those road trips are only going in one direction is because the feeling I got every time we arrived was maybe a little like the feeling that Paul had when he got that vision. That feeling may have been a little bit like what Lydia had when her heart was open. That feeling I got every time we arrived, no matter the time of day, was maybe even a little bit like all of our Scottish forebears in the faith feel when they see those tartans and they hear those pipes around the next bend. The feeling I got 
was like I had been delivered to the place that God was leading all along. How does Garrison Keillor describe that place at the end of every one of his Lake Wobegon stories? Y'all know Lake Wobegon, right? This isn't just an Ohio thing, good. (laughs) He always described Lake Wobegon as the place where all the women were strong, the men were good looking, and the children were above average. (laughs) But as followers of Jesus Christ, we know the other name for that place, don't we? Home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.